Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Club, everybody. Today's date is July 19th. It is a Sunday night. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Jared. And I'm Erica. And we have a special guest with us today. Hi, I'm Samay. Hi, Samay. Welcome. Oh my god. Yeah, you're our first guest on Cinema Club. I'm really, I'm so stoked because you guys are great and I love movies. And I love the movies we're about to discuss, so. And the TV. How, uh, how was your weeks? Uh, my week's been pretty chill. I talked to a couple friends this weekend, ate some really yummy food. I haven't cooked myself dinner in a couple days, which kind of makes me sad. Also because I'm spending a lot of money just like whatever and i shouldn't be um because i have paid a lot of money in taxes most recently that shit's actually the fucking worst i also hate the irs um i've been watching a lot of good movies i watched the woman who left um the other day by love diaz so good like so incredible and um i watched donkey skin um by that one man that was married to agnes varda that's how I remember him as. Um, that man, Agnes Varda's partner, that man who was married to Agnes Varda. Um, but yeah, it's been an okay week. It's hard to understand what a week is anymore because I'm not working. Um, I'm just at home collecting these government checks and um, watching movies. Getting on that uh, HBO Max. Oh, yeah, on that HBO Max. Oh, yeah, I've been watching The Sopranos, too. I'm on the last episode. That's also a big... The last one? Oh, I've heard the last episode is very controversial. I hear that, too. I have I have not watched The Sopranos, but all I know is that it's there's some tea about the last, the ending. I've heard it. People have mixed opinions about it. I heard it's trash. Um, honestly, I'm not going to spoil anything, but after they killed one of my, you know, most beloved characters i really stopped caring about that show i'm just trying to complete it i'm just trying to get through it you're in for the long haul also you know like that show aired so long ago i think you can it's okay i think it's safe for you to drop spoilers too adriana died and it pissed me off and i have like no faith in like television anymore to like take care of my feelings you know Uh, damn unless it's time to destroy you yeah unless it's time to destroy you i mean even then my feelings are destroyed after every episode so Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. It's kind of like a trigger warning with the the name of the show. It's like it's true. Like you're you're gonna be wrecked after this. So good luck with that. And then you just press play. You should get like a T-shirt of like I survived. I may destroy you. Oh my god, yeah. Or I didn't survive. I may destroy you. Yeah, and it was awesome. <laughs> I loved every second of it. I'm trying to think if I watched. I mean, besides the films we'll be talking about today, but. I'm trying to think if I even watched anything. Oh my god, I watched this terrible horror film. Um, it It's called The Girl on the Third Floor. It's like a weird, bad horror movie about like this family of the family that moves into a house, right? Uh, the like protagonist, quote unquote protagonist, um, is like some cis white man who's like, I'm a macho man. I'm gonna rebuild this house so my fam can live in it, and is like completely incapable. And like basically moved into a house which was like a haunted brothel at some point. And I shit you not, there is, there are scenes where like 
cum oozes from the light sockets. This is how bad this movie is. It's terrible. Um, If you ever feel down in the dumps and want to think, at least there's this, you can watch that. It's on Netflix. I'll remember that. I'll try and forget that one. Um, Yeah. Me and and Sime share HBO Max accounts. And so I finally today started diving into that. And it's, like, intense. There's a lot of stuff on there. There's a lot. It's, like, overwhelming. I spent, like, an hour just, like, looking through the uh, turn... What's the name of it? TCM? TMC? I spent, like, an hour looking through, like, the catalog of classic movies. It's extreme. Uh, I ended up watching Whisper of the Heart, which is very, very good. It's very, very light. Very, very just nice. It's like a little, it's a little Sunday movie hug. I loved it a lot. So if you have HBO Max, go watch that one. Sorry, I, this is, I promise this is the last thing I'm going to talk about. Have you, do you, both, either of you folks like, uh, like cartoons, like animated? Perchance. Possibly, I dabble. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Every now and then, we're like, dip your toes in. J.G. Quintel made a show, I think it's called Close Enough. Um, he's also the creator of, like, Regular Show, if you've watched that before on Cartoon Network. Um, but I think uh, Close Enough is basically about these, like, 30-year-olds with a kid that share a flat, like, an apartment with another, like, divorced couple. And it's, like, so weird and fantastical, just like Regular shows, where it's just, like, completely absurd. But it's kind of told in the lens of these aging parents kind of like but you know their kid is like seven or whatever but it's that's actually pretty hilarious and it made me feel good this week so there's that so our special guest for tonight for today is samay um samay tell us who you are um i'm i'm a person um i'm a living person and I live in Oakland, and I watch a lot of movies, and I make movies too, um, experimental shorts. Um, that's that's all there is to me. I I don't do much. Um, yeah, I'm an that's adult. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a lot more than uh, I feel like most people. That's a lot. <laughs> Same, film cinephile, filmmaker, Oakland native. Programmer. Programmer. Oh, I guess I do do that. Curator. Yeah, I do that too. Yeah, you're right. I'm limiting myself right now. Yeah. And now closet, closeted podcaster. Yeah, now I'm now I'm on a podcast. Look at me now. We should have, uh, we should have named the podcast. <laughs> Cinema closet. Cinema closet. Cinema closet. <laughs> we can, we could do a rebranding. Sure. Uh, well, welcome, Samay. We're really happy to have you here on the show. Uh, like I said earlier, you're our first guest on Cinema Club, which is pretty exciting. Let's see. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but as per tradition, even though you're the first one. Our special guests get to pick a movie of the week that we watch, 
And so, Samay, tell us about the movie that you brought to us today. Well, I remember talking to you and I said you should do Atlantics um, or some French shit. And um, yeah, Atlantics is a great movie by Matty Diop. Um, it's about these youths in um, Dakar. And this young girl is in love with a construction worker. And uh, the construction workers aren't getting paid for their labor to build this like giant invasive like building. And they get on a boat to go to, I'm not sure where they're going. I, I imagined it was like Italy, it's Europe, um, wherever, whatever country it is. Um, but they all um, die at sea and their spirits come back to haunt um, the, the girls that were left behind that all the construction workers were in love with. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of like the sci-fi, like horror, romance, drama. It's a really beautiful film by a great woman and a brilliant cinematographer. Um, yeah, it's, it's the, it was my shit last year. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you recommended it. I did have never heard of this film um, because I don't know everything, but I'm very glad that we watched it. It's it's so beautiful. Yeah, I, I know that you just mentioned like a great cinematographer, but it is like visually astonishing. So thank you. And also, I d I also did not bother i'm so sorry i'm i'm really bad at this but i didn't like read as like a synopsis or like a plot plot storyline before this so i actually didn't expect it to have this like supernatural element to it which was like a really cool surprise i guess it probably wasn't a surprise for like anyone else here i loved it thank you so much I'm very against uh, reading synopses before watching movies. I like to go in blind. So I, too, didn't um, expect the the possessions that happened in the film. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was just, like, beautiful. I love when, like, these very political stories have these, like, very um, magical, realist, realist um, you know, stuff going on yeah i i mean i also do not like to watch or i also do not like to read like a summary or like reviews or anything i try and read as little as i can about a movie before going into it and so i actually had watched this earlier last year um because it won an award i can and so i was interested by interested in it and it was on netflix and i was like double interested in it and i went in blind watching it and it you know, it was that thing where, like, it almost, like, shocked you. It shocked me of, like, sort of the directions it took, how it, you know, the choices it made. And I feel like the second time I watched it, I loved it even more just because I knew what it was doing. And so I was able to kind of, like, look further into its, like, politics and what it's doing with, with that magical realism and with, you know, with the symbolism of the ocean and with the graves and the money and all these things. Um yeah, I mean, this is just a beautiful movie that has a lot to say. Um, I agree. The magical realism, like, definitely adds this depth, to, especially to this film, or to, to a lot of films that, you know, use this form of storytelling. But it definitely, like, heightens drama and also adds, like, a romantic vibe. 
you know? I, I feel like when there's a, this initial reveal of uh, the possessions of these young women's bodies by the souls of the lost from uh, construction workers at sea, like, there's something really dreamlike. And maybe it's just, like, that beautiful creamy glaze of the eyes but there's just something that's like so surreal but so gentle and i think that's something that it it could be so frightening and like honestly a little spooky to look at it creates like a very um this dreamy state that's almost like a familiarity to these characters you know what i mean and which is nice because essentially you know at the end of the film you do realize that these are all souls of people who these girls once knew and it's a beautiful thing i don't is that those the words i'm trying to say yes they are i think i get what you're saying i feel like i mean the all these people are so young in this film and when you think about being young and in love and like you feel kind of possessed by the romance and like the way you feel about someone and it just kind of takes that feeling to a whole nother level because like these men have passed and like they're so consumed with their grief but they're also like consumed by the actual people that they've lost like literally like they are consumed with them so it's like this very beautiful mat it's it's magical you know there's something really i mean the entire story and romance between solomon and is it ada or ada at ada um there's something really beautiful about just their entire romance, Ada and Suleiman, and how, you know, they begin and they're together and they, like, they get caught making out in this house and then they have this, like, sort of breaking where, you know, he doesn't say goodbye to her and she sort of just has to live with that, the fact that, you know, he didn't come and say goodbye to her until until the very end where, you know, she's able to get that closure. There's something, I don't know, to me that was very moving in how it, just kind of tells their story you know it it feels like it's it's done so very delicately and done so like in a way that shows that it's obviously caring about her and to me it didn't like cater too much of like trying to over comfort you know i think it like just did it in just the right way um yeah there's something about the film too and how it like it almost has a beat going on throughout the entire thing from the very beginning of the crashing waves and like these screams about like their wages that just kind of carries throughout the entire film i could feel and i could see that sort of the the lives of the lost men and the heartbreak of these women sort of just like in every scene you know in different ways um it was really beautiful you know both art both visually and emotionally i really liked that about the waves too i feel like the ocean was kind of its own character in that film like its own analysis um because um i don't know if you guys knew but uh mati diop she made a film before this about the same subject it like kind of dived into it more it was called atlantics and it's about these men who leave Senegal to go to Europe to find work and like how dangerous that journey is. And it's just kind of like a, it's like a post-colonial narrative about, um, you know, searching to have like a better life. Um, but that search, like literally, like you have to search, like go, th- go through the ocean um, and you put yourself in so much danger doing that. And like seeing that narrative kind of explored more in this film, you get to see um the ocean um as like its own being um this like raging being that brings you closer to 
opportunities and like just uh, that own, that own it's it's its own being in the film there is a rage that i feel in it you know there it's it doesn't at least like initially visually or even like thematically seem or feel like it's very angry but there is to me there is like a lot of rage that was buried beneath it you could you just saw glimpses of it and moments of it and i think that too was even intentional and how you're not allowed and we're not allowed to be angry and show anger and you have to like try and subside that and try and like mask that which i think was like portrayed beautifully through through their possessions we saw this rage manifested outward i couldn't help but think while i was watching this as everyone you know on the in this zoom call (laughs) and anyone listening probably is kind of understands what's happening in the world around us right now and i couldn't help but think and like relate this to something that i am also experiencing not uh personally per se but this idea of getting what you deserve you know like and what is rightfully yours these these workers you know they sail away because they they want a better opportunity and they want what is rightfully theirs right they want to be paid for their wages and if they don't get that fuck that they're going somewhere else and i think but i thought about this a lot in one of the like later scenes in the film when these possessed girls with the souls um, of these past workers. Um, And when they're, you know, these workers are demanding their wages back, right? Uh, I think from from this man who demanded this work and hasn't hasn't paid them, the owner of the tower, um, I think a lot about when they ask for the money and all they ask for afterwards is for him to dig their graves, right? And, like, my fucked up brain was like, oh, they're going to push his body into one of them and just bury them. But that's not what they do. And I think about that a lot when I think about this idea of reparations right now, right? And and justice. A lot of people experiencing injustice aren't asking for the the death and the execution of other beings. They're asking for what's rightfully theirs. And they're asking for it with respect, right? Given they do burn this man's tower down, rightfully so, right? But it's just, I, I think about that a lot where it's just like, we want you to give us a a proper burial. We want you to acknowledge the passing of our lives and treat that with respect. And and that's something that I found very relative to something that a lot of us may be experiencing right now. Yeah, I um, ooh. it's it was interesting to watch this movie and to be like who thinking about who's to blame for their deaths, um, because it's like it's not just this man. Um, it's like the uh, French who, you know, colonized this country and it's the ethics that these, um, you know, business owners have gotten from, uh, you know, European ways of settling and like abusing workers. So I wish that I kind of wish it went a little further, but I like that it also centered like it's just like a completely like black centered narrative where like it doesn't it doesn't even tell you what country they're going to i think like it's just like it's all very um that's all like a periphery thought um the idea of like europe but they are they are definitely to blame for the fact that these men can't get paid and like the lack of money that's being distributed to um these workers yeah i mean i think this film does a really great job of having starting those discussions and having those ideas about the effects of colonialism imperialism and whiteness 
on this world without without including or having a typical cliche like white character. I feel like a classic trope in this would be of like having white tourists around or like having having some sort of like thing that we see that we can like visually see or they like very explicitly talk about that sort of still centers whiteness. But this film, you know, kind of like goes away from that and keeps it more directed within these women and their love and their their sorrow and sadness, which is obviously very refreshing and amazing to watch. Yeah, I agree. I I agree with that. And it's also refreshing the fact that they were speaking in I can't remember the name of the language. It's called like Wolof, I think. It's um it's a language that they speak in Senegal. That's and it's not French. And that's very incredible to experience. It's like a whole level of like decentering, you know, Eurocentric uh, forms of everything, just everything entirely. I'm always so happy that I have this opportunity of doing this podcast, but also just being introduced to such great films that I otherwise would have not watched. It, that sounds so like basic and like cliche, but it's true. <laughs> Sometimes it's that simple. Um, I should also note um, before I feel like we're wrapping it up, and before we we wrap this up, um, no, go ahead. The cinematographer, she's amazing. Um, as I mentioned before, her name is Claire Matone, and she was also the cinematographer for A Portrait of a Lady on Fire. She mm. is just like a boss ass like queen icon gas you know she's just she's it she's it she's serving it she's living it the camera is like an extension of her hand and her like mind and like she's she's just the best she's the best baby man i did not know that it portrait really on fire is like such a good movie. Yeah, thank you so much, Samay. Oh, thank you for the wreck. If you have not watched it, uh, it's on Netflix. Please, please go watch it. It is an amazing Atlantic's amazing and film. Chill. So, our second film that we ended up watching this week is uh, Near and Dear, Close to Jared's Heart. Actually, like, I have a text uh, receipt of this, oh. but I oh, think pull- called himself. You're, you're pulling out the receipts. Okay. Samay, I mean, if if that's the point, then like Samay, feel free to pull out the receipts as well because I was texting her as well while I was watching this, uh, with some very quick takes. So go ahead, go ahead and go ahead and pull the receipts out. It's fine. Yeah, uh, Jared is a self-declared a twenty-four slut. His words, not mine. So this is something you know we were gonna watch at some point, which is great. Uh, first cow. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Jared? Oh my god, First Cow. Yeah. Uh, First Cow is one of A24's latest releases of this year. It's directed by Kelly Reichardt. And it tells the story of these two men who live together. Well, they meet each other in the Oregon Northwest Wilderness. And they form a bond um, after a couple traumatic experiences and events together. They survive. And they end up living together and they start to sell baked goods at the kind of town market but they do this by stealing the milk from the one cow that is in town and so they start making a really big profit and they get noticed by the town's sort of richest person 
whose cow it is that they're taking milk from. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I would just go out and say it like front up. I really love this movie. I watched it like early, early in the morning and I just had like a cup of coffee. I had a little like egg breakfast burrito and I just watched this movie and I like fell in love with it. The entire thing. Um, it is exceptional, exceptional. It does in a lot of ways, it's different from Atlantic's, but it is similar in how it is subtle within its motions and actions. There's a lot of these very subtle and quiet moments between characters. Well, between one character, uh, which we can kind of dig into more, but particularly Cookie, who is like so far my favorite character to be in a movie this year, like hands down. I, I just want to be Cookie in the woods, picking some mushrooms, making my partner or my friend, quote unquote, we'll break into that more, um, you know, just making some baked goods and just like, just hanging out in the woods. It really reminded me of my camping trip I did a few weeks ago. So it kind of made me a little nostalgic for that, but I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts on First Cow. Okay. Um, well, I, this was one of the last films I saw in the theater before quarantine. So it's very special to me. Um, and I, I feel like what you said, Jared, about watching it in the morning, it, it's a really good film to watch in the morning. It's just like so fresh. The light is so gentle. Um, it's a very, it's just a very magical, like, Ugh, like it's just a calming it's a very calming film and you know when you wake up in the morning you're still like a little weary from sleeping um you just put it on and it just like whispers like this very like delicate story to you a very like tragic story but it's just until you get to that point it's just like very wonderful and i i loved this film this was it's one of my favorite films i've seen this year um and yeah kelly reichardt is she's chill and she's great i also watched this in the morning but i and like as much as it was a mood i texted jared because jared has been notorious so far in picking like dark films and not not like in tone but i mean like in actual color so like and i have a very open living room and i was like i can't see what's happening in the movie but it was nice. It was very, like, peaceful and, like, you know, it's very in tune with the natural uh, landscape that this is shot in. Also, like, the first text that I sent Jared was like, is that Aaliyah Shawkat, my babe, wifey? Like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed. But, yeah, I definitely say I would say that this is, like, a, a more slow-moving film. So it's something, like, nice to kind of, like grow out of sleep in. Um, I actually couldn't, uh, on like an, on another note, oh, I don't know if this is something that you thought was interesting, but I also thought it was so uh, interesting how their conversations continue um, through these like, in being intercut through, you know, an unnamed amount of time and an unnamed amount of space. Does that make sense? Like they'll be, washing their clothes, having this conversation, they'll be fishing and still be having like a very similar conversation. And it's just so interesting how their conversation flows so well. I almost didn't realize that they're doing something completely different that would take like two whole days to complete. You know what I mean? It's 
And it makes me think of how possibly how much repetition there might have been when I think about those conversations that they might have been having with each other, you know, like they might be having the same conversations day in, day out. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, that that part of the movie really is what caught me of like just this exploration and sort of expansion of this relationship between these two men through just like very simple conversations about like their hopes and dreams and aspirations. And there was something very touching in how it was very clear how their dynamics of their relationship worked, you know? Cookie was very much quieter and just kind of listened to King Lou and King Lou just sort of, like, would do this rambling, but uh, was very beautiful in doing it of, like, I just want to open a hotel and, you know, talking about just all of these different things. Um, yeah, I, I really loved sort of the expansion of dynamics of their relationship and how it very subtly gave us clues and insight into how their relationship worked without bashing into your head. They could have made it like, here's a conflict and here's how they settle it. Instead, it kind of just brings you into their conversations in their everyday life in a very, very beautiful way, in a very beautiful landscape too. Uh, Oregon, the Northwest is like amazing. I want to be there. I, I loved their dynamic totally i it was very clear who the bottom was yeah and their and their dynamic um and yeah i know i don't know if you want to get into this now but like i feel like as soon as i saw Aaliyah shaw cat in the beginning i was like okay this is a gay movie this is gonna be a gay movie (laughs) like she wouldn't be here otherwise clearly a queer icon yeah I, i feel like i was living my um gay cottage court dreams watching this very much so and also like like i like i was thinking of like our main two characters are fur trappers right and then you basically kind of see like their marketplace that they start selling their goods from their shack that they live in and it was so jarring to me to see this oh god this chief's home in contrast where it's like there are fully like there's crown molding there's paint on the walls and it it just like was a weird feeling for me because it it connected two different times that I did not connect in my mind while I was watching this. I thought up until that point that I we see this like beautiful home. I thought this movie took place in a way different time. Is that just because I don't know anything about history? Maybe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, I I it was hard to tell what time in history it was because it's like okay, well, colonization has like definitely happened at this point but like i don't know what era in history like this is the victorian era and i feel like a lot of the concept of the film is just kind of like blurring a lot of because you're just like you're so in it like there's you're you're not going to get an explanation for it because it's just like right in front of your face yeah i feel like i didn't spend too much time in like bothering with and i mean there were you know maybe some like very specific details and like nuances in terms of like its time period and choices of clothing or dialect or whatever but it didn't bother itself or like get bogged down into like intense historical depth or discussion i feel like it really focused on i mean it it is very in discussion with that because it you know explores in some way those ideas but i think its main issue is their relationship and sort of their business and their baking which i don't know i i'm very interested to try those biscuits now 
Oily cakes? Yeah. Like, you just like rub some honey on it. I was talking to a friend um, before this, actually, about making some because we were I was telling them I was going to be talking about this movie. And uh, my friend was like, oh, I'd love to make because we saw the film together when um, it came out. And so maybe maybe I could start like a cinema cooking channel, make like some oily cakes and like do like a tampopo thing, make some ramen. Who knows? I'm not plugging my own ventures on this, but. You could be. This is, we're here to support you in all endeavors. So please. Put them right in. (laughs) Yeah. Claim it now while you can. (laughs) Yep. Plug away. If you have any plugs, now's the time. Yeah. Um, That's really great. Also, it'd be, (laughs) I feel like you can make like an entire cooking show solely based off Tim Popo. Um, So good. That, yeah. Very interesting. We should watch that one week. Tim Popo? I'd be down. I also, like, when we talk about this, sorry, I'm going back into the time thing. I think a lot about um, this, like, blurring of time. And, like, the only thing that anchors me in time is, you know, when King Lou says they'll soon be sick of this. When speaking of, like, their making of oily cakes and also um, when describing the the latest Parisian fancies in, in fashion. I don't. That's, like, the only indication to me at some point that time is passing. And I think it's, like reinforces this idea of ever changing and like never settling does that make sense like i i think about that when i think about um cookie and king lou thinking about what to do next thinking about how to make their successes bigger and better and thinking about going somewhere thinking about starting a bakery thinking about starting a hotel i th- i think that everyone every single character in this film is reflecting some sort of like propelling forward from where they are now. And and I think that's like the only thing that breaks up this sleepy vibe that I get from the film, the slow pace. That's the one thing that keeps me intrigued and lets me know that we are progressing. I think you, you totally get that. Yeah. From especially their lifestyle, like the way that cookie in the beginning, he's just like traveling with these men who don't appreciate his cooking, don't appreciate him in any way. Um, but that they're just like constantly traveling, constantly moving from place to place. Um, and the only sort of constant is like Cookie's uh, desire to make these delicious treats. Um, um, and yeah, I, I think the film takes place definitely in like this state of like early capitalism where everyone's like trying to like take something for themselves and make it make something for themselves. Um, and they just happen to be gay and want to do gay businesses like bed and breakfasts and bakeries. <laughs> Can I just, uh, I just have to go on this rant because like I'm just in love. This whole idea of them just like running away to San Francisco, St. Francisco, to open a little hotel with a bakery at the bottom. That, yes. Um, I don't know. I loved... I love the relationship and how just delicately and gives us just enough, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't overdo any piece of it. And it gives us, it gives us such a little amount that we have to sort of fill in the blanks, but like, we all know, Hey, you want to come over and help me finish this bottle? Yeah. And just like how they talk to each other about their dreams and their hopes and what they want. And Cookie is just such a good listener. Cookie just listens 
but then King Lou also like just like sits there and like oh, he's just like he's so caring you know I felt safe with him I felt physically emotionally mentally comforted by him in that moment yeah this film was definitely the visual the visual language was the gay agenda that was that was all that was going on there I I loved that feeling of comfort and like this like paternal feeling of like safety that you feel throughout the whole film even though like there's kind of like this implied fear of betrayal that might potentially happen where like someone's gonna give the money or like sell out to that rich that dumb rich man but like it never happens and they're just like they're just so secure in their bond and it's like the most beautiful ethereal thing um to witness yeah i mean even as they talk about you know their past experiences and lives of cookie never being understood by anybody And, like, going around and being bullied by all these groups and all these men that he goes around with. And then King Lou, like, just on the run, being hunted and chased all the time. And then they find each other. They're just, like, there for one another. And it's just, it's right. It's warm. I just thought about this now. Um, When Leah Shawkat unearths these, the remains of these two men, why do you think she's so happy? She's, like, literally smiling, like, digging them up. So, the only thing I know is that this movie is actually adapted from a novel by Jonathan Raymond um, called The Half-Life. And the novel is actually split into two parallel timelines. One that is back in the 1800s that, you know, is about Cookie and about his experiences. And then it's, like, 160 years later, that's the other timeline. And it's, like, in the present day. Um, I don't know, like, what happens in that timeline, but I think that is what is carried on in that piece of it. So I think maybe there's something tied with that, but I don't know. I I actually, honestly, I didn't even notice too much, like, her expression. I was mainly concerned of, like, why are you digging up these bones? What are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> As she fixated on her face, I, I couldn't help but... Um, my... My guess is that maybe she's an anthropologist. As a person who spent lots of money studying anthropology, I would be very stoked to find some bones. Um, so, yeah. I love this already. Aaliyah Shawkat, gay anthropologist, thrilled, uh, and dog owner. Dog owner. Such a great dog. Oh my God. Let's talk about the animals. Obviously, as the title states, this movie is about a cow, but there's some other animal. I mean, the cow itself. Just the the little moment when they go over to the chief's house, and then like she notices or like recognizes Cookie, and she starts like licking his hand. I was like, I was very anxious that entire time because, of course, you know you're worried that they're gonna get caught, they're gonna get found out. But also, it's like, in a weird, twisted way, it's like another layer of like comfort and like this like warmth and gentleness of like here's this cow that's like hey you're my friend like we hang out at night very intimate i personally thought it was a great performance from the cow when i rated this film on movie i that was my review i was like brilliant cow performance um you could really she was just like oozing with talent and milk um she was outstanding she lost her husband and her child here she is still literally thriving literally able to make a new life after such loss. Beautiful. She's also an ally 
to the gay community, which is great. And brown. Like, yeah. Like, okay, here we go. I love it. AOC, Animal of Color. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Truly another great film. I like, will we ever talk about bad movies? I mean, I know I just did, but we'll like, like, we keep just having great films to talk about. Probably not. No. I was watching this and I, I text Eric. I was like, I feel dumb because, like, it's yet again another A24 movie that I'm just like, falling in love with and i'm like what's wrong with me like oh they like make it four three and they just like put some like pretty framing of windows and doors and like you got me hooked and it's like am i that easy am i that easy to get hooked to a movie the answer is yes to be (laughs) fair the four three is like a very iconic um Uh. aspect ratio oh i want to talk about something but i don't want to ruin it so i won't say it but yeah. <laughs> I I continue to find uh, I May Destroy You as, like, an, an emotional challenge for myself. It really does say something about a show. If once an episode ends, I feel like a stronger person in a way. I feel like that, that speaks highly to some, you know, to Michaela Cole and just, like, how, how beautifully and well done this is. But I truly do feel like I've overcome another, like, emotional block and, like, obstacle every time I watch an episode. I'm like, wow, I fucking just did that and I, like, cry a little bit. It's beautiful. The thing that it does for me is that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't give you an agenda. It doesn't force anything on you. It really, when I'm watching it and after I've watched it, I just, like, I have so many questions and I'm like, how do I feel? Do I feel angry am i sad am i upset and it to me that's what the best highest quality piece of art can do is like it makes you ask a question puts you into a space that makes you uncomfortable and gets you honestly like a little scared um which i may destroy you i feel like does every episode it definitely it challenges like you were saying it challenges what the standards of great art should be and great storytelling too. Like each character that we witness is so like fully actualized and is like very nuanced. And I feel like it's just like a very, it's just so powerful. It's a really, really powerful show. And Michaela Cole is just like great at like weaving in like this humor with this like sorrow. Um, she's just, I just, ugh. I, if she ever hears this, um, I'm single and um, I think you're incredible and we sh- we can, I think we should, we could vibe. We could really vibe together. I love that. This was like a, this is an ad. This is an ad for you. We love HBO. We love Michaela Cole and I ship this. So I, you know, I got money. I can afford an HBO Max account that I share. You know, I've, I'm, I'm, I can pay the bills. I can pay your bills. I paid you this month, right? You did. <laughs> you did. Okay. I'll I try and remember as much as I can. You are a streaming platform landlord. That's what you are. I don't know if I'll accept that one, but I will. I am. I accept it. I accept it. But like a, a nice landlord that's like compassionate and like would never evict someone in the midst of like a pandemic and like truly cares about their tenants, aka Jared. So 
I feel, I feel cared for. I feel just like first cow cared for me this morning. If you guys saw me, I should have got like a picture of myself or taken a picture of myself. Like I was literally in a blanket with my cup of coffee and I was just like smiling. And I would laugh at like the dumbest thing. When the cow is licking Cookie's hand, I'm like cracking up and my, my roommate's like, what are you laughing about? And I'm like, the cow's licking his hand. And she's like, and it's really funny stuff. Ugh. The music on the show is also really great on I May Destroy You. I think that Michaela Cole's character, what's what's her character's name? Arabella. Yeah, Arabella is like a great, she's like a great post, you know, I hate to do this. She's a great post Me Too character, female character. And her friend is too as well. I'm really proud of the show and I can't wait to keep watching it. I'm so obsessed with it. That's like the a perfect word for her is just like post me too character where she is able to recognize when other people are put in this terrible situation as like sexual assault and like rape will be, but it's also hard to put that same energy towards yourself when you experience something as traumatic. I think like as an individual, I feel that personally, like where it's it's easy to care for other people and like advocate for them to do the right thing and like report something. But it's really hard to put that same energy in, into something that, that you hold on to yourself. It's like, oh, it's fine. It's just me. Like, I don't have to do this. Or like, br- you know, you brush it off. And then I, I feel like that's just such a relatable uh, feeling and experience that a lot of people... So, I'd love to ask both of you, are you excited for anything this week? I've been I've been doing a lot of cooking, a lot of cooking. Uh, I'm cooking out of a couple books, Thug, Thug Kitchen and Vegetable Kingdom. They're both vegan and they have some really great recipes. So, I'm starting this thing where every week I pick three different things that I'm going to cook for that week. Or th- three things from the cookbook I'm going to do. And so, yeah, I'm excited to try out my new recipes this week. So, yeah, I'm excited to cook some more stuff. What about you, Samir? I'm excited about... I have a film club. We watch movies together. And we meet every Friday. So I'm excited for that every week, always. I have a meeting this week discussing the existence of my production. I'm just plugging, like, everything right now. I'm, like, starting a production company with a friend. Plug the fuck. Plug the fuck away. I'm just chug-a-lug, plug-a-lug, just plugging right now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I we're, we have a meeting this week about the existence of the production company. And um, I've got... A music video, I think, in the works right now that we're gonna produce. So that's cool. I I I don't know what to look forward to besides those things at the moment. That's very exciting. I mean, that's. I should be more excited, but I'm I'm just chilling, you know, in my closet. Yes. Uh, cinema club in the closet. Is there? I don't know. Before we sign off. Yeah, where can we where can we find more of you? Where do we see you? Where do we see your content? Where do we hear from you? Um, I'm right here. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm on Instagram. Um, as I plugged earlier, Horse Breath eighty seven. Um, I have a Vimeo account that I do not update because I'm shy. Um, but there are two films on there. You could find me on Discord in the film forums under literally on a horse. 
You can find me on Tumblr, Mama Wolf, different animal that time. Um, yeah, that's that's all the places I'm at. I love the like horse energy. It's I love horse energy. Thank you. I you know I love a long face. I love long hair. Um, horses are like the best beauty standard. I feel. But thanks for having me, and I I love the podcast. This is the only podcast I listen to. Um, so thanks for oh making that. Yeah, of course. It, it's so lovely having you, and I'm really happy that our first guest experience has gone pretty well. Thank you. And thank you, Jared, for introducing a lovely friend, a friend of the podcast forever, and you're always welcome back. Yay. Yes. Please, please come back and bring more, more great, amazing movies. More plugs. I need them. Yes. And more plugs. Yeah. Yeah. So many more. Oh my God. We love them. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This has been Cinema Club. Uh, you can go ahead and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcast and our Instagram at Cinema Club. And that was it for this week. We will come with you. Come. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> we will come back next week with some great picks. Uh, of films, TV. We'll follow up maybe on more I May Destroy You. Who knows? We don't even know what the state of the world will be in like the next 12 hours. So this has been us. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>